there was a time in the 1970s and 80s where you couldn't turn on the TV without seeing a commercial with Steve Garvey in it. This hunk of man is my husband, Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey, the baseball player. And this is my wife, Cindy. And she takes pretty good care of herself. One thing I do is take Geritol every day to make sure I get enough iron and vitamins. And we both get good, healthy exercise by following the Keep Fit America program recommended by the President's Council on physical fitness and sports. It's great, and it's free in every specially marked package of Geritol. So keep fit with good, healthy exercise. And take Geritol every day. He was the all-American ball player that every major brand wanted to be their spokesperson. Yeah, he could definitely pitch your product. But at the plate, with the game on the line, he could also come through in the clutch. 1-1 pitch to Garvey, who went up after it and singled to center field. So as Greg Nettles was peering in to get the sign, Garvey suddenly moved up before the pitch and hung a rope out in the center for a base hit. And for Garvey, of course, he has been piling them up for the Dodgers. He is 10 for 21. Hi, I'm Mike Kozer, and welcome to Lost Ballparks Extra Innings, bite-sized episodes of the Lost Ballparks podcast. The first ball game ever to be played in this beautiful new stadium, We'll go in extra innings. Well, it's moments like these that make baseball the kind of a game it is. At the end of nine, it's all tied up. We go to extra innings. Now it'll be the first extra inning game of the year for the Tigers. Play on and miss. Strike three, second out, and we'll be going into extra innings. We certainly hope things are just fine for you, wherever you may be. Get yourself a nice, cozy corner. Just spend the afternoon with us. If you want to kick off your shoes, well, you go right to it. It's your day. Steve Garvey, a member of the Padres Hall of Fame, Finished his career a lifetime 294 hitter. He was a 10-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, a member of the 1981 World Champion Los Angeles Dodgers, 1974 NL MVP, two-time NLCS MVP, and my guest today on Lost Ballparks. Hi, Mike. It's Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. I want to take you back to March 1956. Your dad, who was a Greyhound bus driver, comes home one day and asks you what every kid wants their dad to ask them. Steve, do you want to skip school tomorrow? What did you say to him? I said, wow, Dad, what are we doing? He said, well, I got a charter to pick up the Brooklyn Dodgers from the Tampa airport and take them to St. Pete to play the Yankees in an exhibition game. And, of course, it was the uh, fall of 55 that the Dodgers finally beat the Yankees and were world champions. So that day, ironically, I got a chance to bat boy. What did you get a chance to do that day? Uh, carry the heavy bats for Campanella and Ferrillo and Snyder and sit next to Walter Alston, the Hall of Fame manager. And uh, that day, again, picked up my first uh, pine tar rag. Never forget that smell. Yeah, I bet. Uh, my white sneakers got dirty with, uh, with fresh chalk and uh, clay. Uh, but that day, the sound of, of the game, the sound of the bat hitting the ball and the fastball hitting Campanella's glove uh, and the sounds of uh, each team kind of jibing each other a little bit because they're such great rivals. Uh, but that's baseball. Everyone who loves baseball has a memory of being a kid and going to their very first Major League Baseball game. When and where was yours? My first MLB game was actually in Detroit. I was at Michigan State and I was a freshman in the group of the uh, freshman team and I went to Tiger Stadium and uh, saw a doubleheader, the White Sox against the Tigers. And uh, I look back now and that first starting pitcher was Tommy John, who I would later play with with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Here we go now. The left-hander delivers. It's a strike call. They got that first one over. What stands out to you about that first taste of big league baseball at Tiger Stadium? 
What do you remember? Uh, the sights and smells and uh, the fresh cut grass. It was kind of late in spring. The smell of mustard and, and peanuts and hot dogs ingrained in this classic old 70-year-old stadium. One out, nobody on. The game has just started at Tiger Stadium. The lights are on. There's daylight left around here, however, and a good bit of it. Garb, I know we only have a few minutes together, but I really want to talk about the 1984 NLCS. It'll be Wiggins, Gwynn, and Garvey. Rick Sutcliffe, the big right-hander on the mound for the Chicago Cubs. A capacity crowd, a beautiful afternoon. The breeze is blowing out, so pull up a chair, strap yourself in, and hold on. The Cubs shut out the Padres in Game 1 at Wrigley Field. 13-0. 13-0. The Cubs win Game 2, and then facing elimination, the Padres come back to Jack Murphy Stadium and win Game 3. And in Game 4... So we're about ready to go. Bobby Denier to lead it off. Denier, Sandberg, and Matthews the top three in the Cub order. And boy, they've got another capacity crowd, and are they noisy again tonight? You can feel the electricity, and you liked this, didn't you, Reg? I loved it. I loved it, Earl, because it does get you going. It gets you up. It gets you moving. You're excited to play, but this really puts you in the frame of mind and gets the adrenaline moving. Once again, the Padres have their backs against the wall. Bottom of the ninth inning. That's a story from San Diego. San Diego, five runs, nine hits, no errors. The Cubs, five runs, eight hits, one error. The bottom of the ninth inning, the Padres will go to the top of the order. And Alan Wiggins, Tony Gwynn, and Steve Garvey to face that man right there. Right-hander, Lee Smith. Alan Wiggins begins the inning with a failed bunt attempt with two strikes, thereby striking out. Tony Gwynn is next up, and you told him something in the on-deck circle, right? What did you say to him? I said, Tone, just get on. I'll try to drive it to right center and let you score from first. He said, okay, Garv, and uh, if you remember, he got the single. There's a base hit, center field. Enough said. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, those good hitters, they find ways to get on at all times. Unbelievable, isn't it? And then you come to the plate, ready to make history. Well, here's the guy right here, Earl. Yes, sir. He's had some type of evening. You know, he's got him in the game. I got up against Lee Smith. I think I was 0 for 5 or 6. It seemed like every time I faced it was in the shadows of Wrigley Field. But uh, I knew he wasn't going to fool around with me. He'd come at me with his heat, so I was expecting 96, 97. And uh, the first pitch was out and up a little bit, and I took it, but I felt I was on it. And uh, then he threw over to first, and Tony wasn't taking much of a lead, but uh, he looked at me, and I, I gave him the nod to, you know, I think this might be the pitch. And then uh, Lee Smith wound up and gave me that same fastball down a little bit. And eight of my 10 biggest hits were from center to right. And I was looking to extend, got on top of it. And as it was going up, it was that almost the natural, you and the balls in the air. Uh, and I could see it carrying, carrying, and I took off. And then it was pandemonium from there. And that was uh, the walk off. Steve Garvey, a behind the ball hitter. He hits it from the start. He knows it's gone. And just so fitting for a guy that left the Dodgers. It really is one of the great, great moments in San Diego sports history. And then the next day. Next day, we jump out to a 3-0 deficit and then just keep coming back and beat him 5-3. Goose Gossage, three innings. That's the way Clovers did. Off the hands. Nettles will go the short way. And then there were none. The Padres have won it all. You played so many games at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego, including those historic ball games in 1984. What are your memories of the Murph? Just fond memories of 
of Jack Murphy. It was that multi-purpose stadium for the Chargers and for the Padres. And, you know, it was symmetrical, but it's still, uh, you know, they'd vary the fence from on top of that wall, cement wall to down some. But, you know, it's all about memories, no matter what park you're in. What would you say your favorite ballpark was to play in? You know, my favorite park, uh, well, played a lot of Dodger Stadium and then Jack Murphy, but uh, Wrigley on the road was, was my favorite. Old-time baseball, Ivy on the walls, uh, day games, and a chance to go out at night. What a career. Thanks for the time today. I really, really appreciate it. Keep cheering for the boys, and if you ever see me, hey, Garb, it's Mike. You know, say, Mike, sit down. Let's talk a little more baseball. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to. Thank you, Garb. God bless. A couple of footnotes on Steve Garvey. As a little kid, he was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. His family had grapefruit trees in their backyard, and in the spring, he would take the little hard grapefruits that had fallen from the tree and hit them with a broomstick, imagining that he was Duke Snyder, Gil Hodges, or Roy Campanella. When he was 9 or 10, his mom, Millie, asked him what he wanted for Christmas, and he told her he wanted a new baseball glove. She asked him how much it cost, and he told her $25, which was obviously a lot of money in the late 1950s. I'm sure she had a look of shock on her face, so little Garvey told her, Mom, look at it this way. $25 now will bring $25,000 later on. He was right. And then some. The Lost Ballparks podcast is produced by Manny Zavlakis, Mike Dunn, John Carter, Alex Kemp, Briggs Buckingham, Xavier Guerra, Mike Lipinski, Ryan Beard, and Kyle Schmidt. Thanks so much for listening. Looking forward to being back with you again soon for another episode of the Lost Ballparks podcast.